build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Culture Matters podcast. We are on episode 85. And as you are familiar and uh, as you're used to this podcast, we get right to the interview because I don't like all these podcasts that keep on talking forever and ever and ever and ever and how good they are. Very good because we deliver you the content. All right, episode 85. Our guest name for this episode is Jean-Paul Weyers or Weyers. Jean-Paul Weyers is the founder and director of Protocol Bureau, an organization based in The Hague, the Netherlands. Most people associate protocol with etiquette and royalty, but the official definition of protocol is how meetings with officials should be organized. In our modern translation, the method of protocol is used by Protocol Bureau to manage meetings and events with VIPs, large clients and other important stakeholders. Protocol Bureau supports organizations at official occasions and in less formal situations such as networking events, fashion shows and even dance events. We like to describe Protocol as staged personal attention. In our hectic digital society, personal attention has become scarce, says Jean-Paul. Most organizations are aware of the need of a good network and thus to know the right people, but they struggle to find the best way to manage their personal attention. Jean-Paul Weyers, he is a protocol expert. He does explain what the difference is between protocol and etiquette and, uh, and good manners as well. All this good stuff is coming up. And uh, at the end, you're familiar and you're used to getting the three tips, but keep listening afterwards because at the end of the interview, we are actually talking about Donald Trump. And that's worth listening to as well. Let's get to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Good morning, good afternoon, Jean-Paul. Um, how are you? Good morning. I'm very well. Thank you very much. All right. That's good to have you on the show because it's a, um, it is a total different angle uh, that we have never had before. And we are, you are, we are on episode 85 so I've been doing this for 85 times now, uh, and I only do once every other week. So I've been doing this for, for over uh, a year, and we've never had this topic of protocol coming in. And I think it's so almost intrinsically linked to culture and cultural differences that um, when we've met, because we've met in person a couple of weeks ago in Brussels, and I was actually very impressed by the presentation you did, and I was very um, intrigued by the topic as well. So, but before we get into the nitty gritty of what protocol actually is and does, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, uh, where you currently are, and what would you consider your cultural frame of reference? Now, this question has like five questions in one, so I'll give you about 10 minutes and I'll go and get myself a cup of coffee. Go ahead. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for being on the on the show. I'm very pleased to uh, to have been asked uh, by you. Uh, it's pleasure. also very 
very good to know that this is the first time the subject of protocol is actually discussed on this on this podcast, um, which is a bit too late, I think, of course. But I'm, I'm, I think uh, uh, it's a good thing that in the end this is uh, okay. a subject. I totally agree with you that uh, protocol and uh, cross-cultural communications are very much linked together. Uh, although it's not my expertise, cross-cultural communication, I do have gained a lot of experience in this subject in the, uh-huh. in the last 20 years that I've been doing this. Um, my name is Jean-Paul Weijers. I am uh, Dutch. I'm living in The Hague. I studied at the hotel school The Hague here, um, originally from the south of the Netherlands, very close to the Belgian border. Mm-hmm. Um, but I moved here to The Hague because of my study at hotel school. And during the study um, uh, at hotel school The Hague, I actually started my company, which is called Protocol Bureau. Uh-huh. We were working in catering. And um, at one time, we were working at a very prestigious event. And um, that's how I got into contact with Protocol. And I immediately thought that's a very interesting subject. Um, I would like to make my profession out of it well. Apparently, I succeeded because it's now 20 years further. I'm still. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for because you might might actually get it. <laughs> so your words carry power. Your words have power. So um, uh, how, how what what is the the trigger with with protocol? No, no, no. Let's do one step first. Uh, this determine no define protocol first before because then we know what we're talking about. Yes, I think that's a very good question because most people have um, uh, most people associate protocol with royal families or etiquette, and that's exactly. actually um, um, uh, it's a bit true. But for the most part, it's a confusion. It's not really true. The official definition of protocol is how meetings with dignitaries are organized. So protocol is much more about the logistical aspects of a meeting between two people or between a group of people. Uh, whereas etiquette is um, more a set of rules of behavior. Uh, for example, etiquette can be applicable in formal and informal situations, so it can apply to your personal situation as well. And protocol is only used when officials get together. So no one uses protocol when they celebrate their own birthday, for example. Okay. Uh, protocol has been aligned in the uh, Conference of Vienna in 1815, uh, for the first time, and the rules are more or less the same ever since, and etiquette is a subject that constantly changes as society changes. That's why proto- uh, books about etiquette are constantly being written, and uh, protocol books have been more or less the same ever since. Okay, could, could you then say that, because indeed that was a thought that was on my mind, describe the difference between, I, I written, I've written down good manners, etiquette, and protocol. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Protocol is is with dignitaries, and etiquettes is something you can do online and offline, or in private life and official life. Is that is that what it is more or less? Yes, that that that's true. So protocol is more the uh, the personal aspects. So so your behavior. Do you open a door uh, for someone? Um, do you pull a chair for someone? Uh, do you use the right words to um, to be kind to someone? Um, and this, this, this applies in a formal situation, but in an informal situation as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas protocol is, is the method that the, the, the way we actually meet, uh, each other. So this can, can, well, this, this is not very useful in a, in a personal situation. But for example, uh, we use the method of protocol when we have a meeting with officials. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, let's say, um, there are 18 officials. They all have to sit at one table. 
there might be a discussion who sits in the middle of the table because the middle of the table is the best seat. It's the easiest way to get uh, to be heard. So everyone wants to be seated at the middle of the table. And then protocol gives us a reference tool, uh, an objective method to guarantee that we have uh, a way to determine who sits at uh, chair number one and who sits at chair number two. So it saves actually a lot of time. So I'm sure you're going to talk about... (laughs) The Donald, Donald Trump, because yeah. in terms when it comes to officials and dignitaries, I think he he has written his own book on this on this kind of stuff. Um, so you just mentioned, but I want to come back to that example that you gave about sitting at a table. So uh, the center, the, the head of the table or the center of the table, is that then automatically for the president in this case or for the for the king or for the highest ranking officer? Well, it determines who is the highest person in the room. That uh-huh. can be the king or the president. But let's say if there are 15 presidents in one room, yeah, exactly. then it's it's going to be more difficult to determine who is going to be at seat number one. So even then, protocol has a standard or a set of rules to determine how to, to, to limit the discussion and to determine very easy who has the honor to sit at, at, at chair number one. Well, one important rule is what we use in protocol is who's hosting the event. Okay. So if you have the role as a host, then of course you are sitting at the middle of the table. And then um, uh, all presidents are considered to be equal, for example. So how do you determine a, a rank among presidents? Well, mm-hmm. very common in protocols that we look at seniority. So who has been president the longest uh, gets more seniority than the president who just arrived. So would, would that then in, in practice mean that, for instance, Robert Mugabe, who was president of Zimbabwe for 500 years, would have a higher ranking than, let's then mention the name again, Donald Trump as being the recently inaugurated American president? Exactly. Yeah. And would that, okay, now I was going to ask, would he accept that? But you don't know that, of course. I mean, it's, that's, okay, that's a silly question. Um, I want to. I would like to come back to some some of the of the protocols, indeed, that the American president maybe has violated or not, because you, I, I'm no doubt you have excellent stories about this. This, but a um, couple of things, a uh, couple of steps back, we have had, and we that means the the Netherlands, the Dutch. You're Dutch, I'm Dutch. So when I talk about we, it's the Dutch. Um, we have had a, a queen. We have had a queen. Her name is Queen Juliana. And she passed away, but she's, she has been uh, a queen, of course, for a, a long time, being the highest ranking in the Netherlands. And I think w- one of these th- things, and so is this etiquette or is this protocol? What, you are not allowed to turn your back to the queen, right? So when you would walk up the stairs towards the queen, then you would wait until the queen addresses you and then you would reply kindly back. And when you've said your, your thing, you say your buys and then you do not turn your back on the queen. So you walk back the stairs backward. And I know this is maybe urban legend. Um, I know that this Queen Juliana of the Netherlands at that time said, no, don't be silly. I want you to turn around because if you walk the stairs backward, it's dangerous. So she was more concerned with the safety of her guests than with, well, is this etiquette or protocol? What is she violating here or changing? That's a bit of a gray area. I think on the one hand, you could call this etiquette. On the one hand, on the other hand, you could call this protocol because this is a, maybe it's an etiquette rule that's only been used by the Dutch, by the royal families in, in Europe. Actually, the uh, the rule doesn't exist anymore for a very long time, okay. and okay. it doesn't even exist anymore officially in the United Kingdom. 
Uh, I think the uh, monarchy of the United Kingdom is where all the uh, where we all look at. So um, if they change a rule, that's more or less when the entire world changes a rule of protocol. Okay. Um, although I must say that our the, the Dutch royal family is um, uh, is a very modern royal family. Uh-huh. They have been changing this rule much earlier than the uh, the, the United Kingdom monarchy has done. So um, uh, now, but this is a rule that hasn't been used anymore, and I think for very good reasons. It it, it turned out to be dangerous, so mm-hmm. it caused some uh, some accidents uh, at the royal palace, and then they said, well, well we don't want people to uh, bump their head into a wall, for example. So that's why they changed the rule and i think this is a good example of where protocol is in the base is more or less the same but at some point some rules of protocol are changed because it's better to do the array rounds and um uh, for example uh, the, the abdication of our king which is a tradition the abdication of our queen which is a tradition in the netherlands mm-hmm. has now been copied by the uh, belgium king and the spanish king so there you see that monarchies are actually adapting to the modern world. So protocol does change a little from time to time, but not as much as the rules of etiquette. Okay, so protocol is more fixed and etiquettes, they, they seem to change over time. You, and you mentioned very quickly um, Vienna 1815. Yes. What ha- who, who were there? Uh, who determined what, what happened there in 1815? Well, the the, uh, the Treaty of Vienna, uh, which was signed after the Conference of Vienna in 1815, determined the new borders in Europe. Um, so many things were determined. This conference lasted for over a year, but what's very specifically very important for, to us protocol officers that they actually um, uh, can, that, that describe the basic protocol rules. So the beginning of the conference was a bit chaotic. And there were some arguments about which way to organize the conference. Uh, and then they said, well, next time we come together with such a large group of officials, let's come up with a set of rules to determine how we actually supposed to meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, the rules about the presidents of countries, um, uh, for example, all countries are considered to be equal. And if you have to determine a presidents among countries, then this is done by alphabet or by seniority. Right. Um, there are even stories about the problems that were about the time of arrival for a meeting. Mm-hmm. So the, the most important person arrives as last. And uh, well, this story is not said to be really true, but it's a very nice story to tell. So, but they had an argument about uh, which of the 25 delegation has the honor to arrive as last in the room, and they couldn't come up with a solution. So they actually build a room with 25 doors, so every delegation <laughs> was actually there was was able to uh, enter the room together and this is a very very good example even though it might not be true but this is a very good example why protocol can be so efficient and can prevent us from doing things like this right okay that makes good sense in in terms of of uh going back in time 1815 were there any like uh, currently significant countries that were not present there and that sort of in a way well maybe forcefully had to adapt these or adopt these kind of protocols I'm not a specialist in what happened during the conference of, 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 of uh, Vienna 1815, only about the protocol rules at that time. So I'm, I'm, I'm a, unable to answer that question, I'm afraid. Okay, all right. Um, you mentioned the, the royal, the, the royal family. Uh, and if I say the queen, there's only one, the queen, which is the British queen. And I think they did that really nicely, you know, claiming that name of having the queen. Um, is that the norm that, that you use in your profession as, as, protocol are they the standard 
No, as a, I'm Dutch. Uh, I'm located in The Hague. So for me, the Dutch royal family is the royal family we actually look at. So if they change a protocol rule, then we we follow. Okay. Uh, but of course, in the, in the entire world, the uh, English royal family has a very uh, is a very visible royal family, mm-hmm. and they change a protocol rule. Then most of the world uh, um, takes note of notice, notice of it and actually follows them. So right, is there? Could you indicate one? You say that uh, etiquettes change faster, protocol changes slower. What is the biggest the the biggest change in, when it comes to protocol since eighteen fifteen uh, to now? Well, a good example is the corporate world, for example. So uh, there's an official president's list. Every country in the world has an official president's list. So which uh, official ranks higher than which other official? Within the country. Within the country, yes. yes. So every every national, uh, there's, there's a national president's list in every country. Belgium has it, the United Kingdom has it, Netherlands, they have the same list. Mm-hmm. And all the officials are on that list, but people from the corporate world are actually not on that on, on the list because they didn't play an important role in 1815. Yeah. But nowadays, of course, the, the chairman executive officer of Shell, he represents so many people worldwide. Mm-hmm. So this is, of course, an important of great, a person of great influence and a person that should be considered in the protocol. So uh, they had to come up with some kind of rule to take them into consideration as well. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, if you look at the royal weddings in Europe, uh, there have been many in the last 20 years. You see that the, the, the chairman executive officers of the largest companies in that country are always invited mm-hmm. and are always granted a certain seat within the uh, seating plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that that is something that's been added in a way. That's a big change, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And what do you see for hap- what do you see happening in the future? Foresee happening in the future in terms of ch- protocol changing? Well, the big change in protocol now in the last five years is that that we look much more at the purpose of protocol. So, if protocols, if it's logical to use the rules of protocol, so if it actually contributes to our goal, mm-hmm. then um, uh, protocol is, is is considered to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. But protocol merely for the reason of making things more formal or more prestigious, that's a protocol that's being discussed a lot at the moment. Okay. All right. That's it. It's, it's, it's still an, it's, it remains an interesting, uh, an interesting topic there. Um, I'm looking at this at the screen and looking at your video because, um, for those of you who are listening only to this audience or to this, to this podcast, there's also a video recording that you can watch if you go to culturematters.com slash YouTube and then you'll find that somewhere, this video recorded. Because behind you on your left hand side, there's a picture of, and it took some time for me to sink in. Who is this? And at first, I must say, it looks like Jimi Hendrix, but it's actually our former queen, Queen Beatrix. That's right, yes. Is, is that, because uh, uh, normally in, in offices, you would have the current uh, uh, king or queen. Are you now, is this, again, is this protocol or etiquette? Well, this is not an official state portrait. We okay. do have official state portrait somewhere in our office, but yeah. it's not behind me at the moment. Uh, the hanging the state portrait in your uh, in your building in your office that's more of a protocol rule actually, mm-hmm. but the uh, the uh, painting you see behind me is of uh, Queen Beatrice, former Queen Beatrice, mm-hmm. and uh, we were founded in 1996 when she was the the Queen of the Netherlands, and in the beginning uh, the early years of the protocol bureau the, the the royal family and especially Queen Beatrice has played such an important role. 
uh, that's, uh, that we thought it would be, uh, well, more than logical to, to give her still a place in our office. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. I'm just, I'm just wondering, okay, who is this? And then I recognize her. Oh, okay, that's, that's a person I know. Well, not personally, but I have heard of her. For sure. The, the, talking about royalty, if you compare, indeed, I mean, on a very uh, geographically close basis, the, the royal family of the Netherlands has a total different way of interacting with the public than the royal family of Belgium, for instance, who are neighboring countries who actually share a language as well. Uh, to, to what extent? And if I compare that, for instance, to royalty in Thailand, offending the king uh, of Thailand can, can land you into jail. You know, how is royalty, how is protocol different with royalty uh, in, in other places of the world? I think now we're talking about uh, your profession as well. Uh, uh-huh. The difference between the royal families is very much determined by the culture. Mm-hmm. So um, um, that's why the uh, the, the uh, royal family in Thailand is very different from the Dutch royal family. Our our culture in the Netherlands, and you know all about this probably, uh-huh. uh, but we are um, uh, not so much in in formalities and hierarchy. Uh, our culture is very direct. So thus, our royal family is is more uh, um, uh, open, uh, direct. Yeah, yeah, more Dutch. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So and then and then but. The, Still, I mean, take these, take the, the, the king of Thailand, the king of Belgium, the, and the king of the Netherlands. Do the same protocol rules apply to all three of them? Yeah, more or less. The protocol rules, the, the rules of protocol are more or less the same worldwide. Uh-huh. So that, that, that's the unique thing about protocol. Every country in the world has agreed more or less upon the same set of rules. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are subtle differences and differences that are influenced by culture. But the uh, the rules of protocol are are the same uh, all around the world. Yes. Okay, makes makes oh. good sense. Now you, you you we know you're Dutch, and uh, you also just mentioned yourself that the Dutch are known for their directness, which is a euphemism for saying they're extremely rude and blunt, at <laughs> least in the eyes of others of non-Dutch. Um, I tend to say in my workshops, and the Dutch they they acknowledge this if they if they think one moment longer. I say that the Dutch are one of the cultures, one of the few cultures in the world that say that they're very culturally sensitive, but actually they're not. And I, I find the Dutch being, you know, it's, 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 the Dutch, there's a saying about the Dutch, the Dutch think that they're the only sane people in an insane world. And I think that's pretty much how they act and behave in the world. Now, do you operate on the Dutch market with your protocol bureau? Isn't that tremendously difficult? It, uh, yes, absolutely true. It's very, I mean, what what, very, what things do you bump into? Because if you if you ask a Dutchman, "Can you get me some coffee?" the first thing that he or she will ask is like, "Why?" Yeah, but that that you could look at it from a different angle as well. Uh-huh. Because we are so not aware of cultural differences, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's an enormous demand for someone who knows how to handle international delegations mm-hmm. and knows how to handle sensitivities with international delegations. So more or less, the Dutch culture created the market for the company I founded. Um, but absolutely true. It's very, very difficult in the Netherlands. It's very, uh, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to uh, convince a Dutch person of the necessity to adapt to different cultures. So they have to experience it. So the best way to, uh, to experience this is, uh, when mistakes have been made. So when a large mistake has been made, the next time they will come back to me. Well, you must experience exactly the same. So, um, yeah. um, but I do agree. I think about it 
exactly the same way. We Dutch, we think we're very international, mm-hmm. and and we have a lot of um, uh, we point at the countries around us uh, when they make mistakes uh, about uh, uh, cultural differences, yeah. and we're not aware that we make exactly the same mistakes. Exactly. So that, we wag the finger. We wag the finger, <laughs> Jean Paul. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, what's what's an example of something that went wrong? After which they came to you and say, "What's going on here?" Well, as an example, that I used uh, a couple of weeks ago when we met during my lecture. There was an, um, an, an, a Dutch company and an Italian company, and the Dutch they thought we really wanted to we really want to sign the deal with the Italians. So mm-hmm. let's not waste too much time in having an enormous lunch. We'll serve them. There's this typical Dutch sandwich with cheese and a glass of milk. That's what we traditionally have during the lunch. God no. The Italians, they thought, well, this is the most terrible food you can actually serve someone. They are indirectly saying to us, we don't want the deal. Uh-huh. So that's, that's, that's a very good example where cultures totally clashed. Yes. Um, and a second example is when um, the CEO of a Dutch company um, uh, went to London to talk about a, a, a merge. Mm-hmm. And the... Um, the Dutch CEO was actually welcomed. Uh, uh, he drove in a car, so the car stopped in front of the head office. The car door was open. The front door was already open, and the lift was waiting to bring him upstairs. So within two minutes, he was actually upstairs in the office of the other CEO. Mm-hmm. At um, um, the same uh, television program, you saw the visit the other way around. So the English, uh, the British CEO visited Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't wearing a suit. He was wearing a sweater. Okay. Uh, he apparently adopted, he wanted to adapt to the Dutch culture, so be more informal. Yeah. And then his car stopped in front of the Dutch uh, head office, and there was no one to open the door of the car. And the front door of the building that was in the evening was actually closed. Okay. So that, that's, that's the, the different ways of approaching uh, these things. We Dutch, we do not think that uh, formalities and, 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 and doing it in an indirect way is very important. So... So it's either either your job there in the Netherlands is either very rewarding or very frustrating. <laughs> There's no middle. That doesn't seem no, to be a right. real middle. Okay. Uh, so now in, in, in that situation, you know, take the Italian Dutch example and take the British Dutch example. If I would come to your company, Protocol Bureau in The Hague, how can you help me? Uh, well, we actually, we don't deal with uh, cultural difference matters. No, no, no I, 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 I bumped my nose and I've got another deal going on with Italians and this time I want to get it right. So how can you help me then? Yeah, what we deal is with uh, uh, high delegations. This mm-hmm. can be delegations from government organizations on the form for, from the corporate world. So, um, um, for example, you're responsible for a delegation who visits the Netherlands or the other way around. And you want to make sure not to make any mistakes in the way you welcome those people at the airport or the transport that's been arranged or the car kind of transport or how many cars or the or the way the greeting procedures actually arranged when they arrive at the building where the meeting takes place or how people are introduced or how seating arrangements are made or what kind of presents to give. Mm-hmm. So all those little details, they all contribute to the success of the meeting. And that's what we specialize on. Our focus is on the way the meeting is being organized. So our clients can actually focus on the content of the meeting. Okay. And, and are there then, um, because now you're coming from your, the, the knowledge or the, the agreement that has been made in Vienna 1815, well, more or less adapted to, to nowadays norms and standards. But I can imagine if, if say the American president comes, he's going to give you the protocol rather than you giving him the protocol. Or is that not the case? 
No, that's, well, as I said, the, the rules, the basis of protocol is more or less the same, but the application of protocol is different every time. A, a small example, a first row is never the same. Some rows have 10 seats, some row have eight seats. It's always different. The guest list is always different. So you always have to improvise. So in the application of protocol, there's always uh, uh, room for improvisation. And this is especially the case because we don't only work for government organizations. We also work for the uh, commercial world. We even work for dance events and fashion shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, those organizations are not binded to the rules of protocol as much as government organizations. The only reason they actually use protocol is to, uh, to, to, uh, to achieve their goals. Right. So uh, then we have to improvise even more. For example, a fashion show is a very good example of uh, all fashion shows use protocol, but they never use the word protocol because it's not very, um, uh, it's not a official, yeah. but the word is not very common within their world. But they want to make sure that the uh, either the press or um, the people potentially buying the collection, the new dressers, they, they want to make sure that those people actually sit at the first row yeah. and not. The, not any other people because the, 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 the collection, the, the couture has to be sold. Yeah. And uh, afterwards, during the reception, you have to make sure that the uh, fashion designer, more or less by accident, but this is, this is not the case, of course, uh -huh. it is being arranged, but that the potential buyer of the dress and the fashion designer actually meets at the reception afterwards. So the potential buyer can say, please reserve me this dress. Mm -hmm. In the Netherlands, most of the fashion designers are very small companies and investing in a whole collection of, of uh, new couture costs mm -hmm. a lot of money. Yeah. They really, they, they, they literally go bankrupt if they don't sell at least 50% of their uh, collection before the people go home after the fashion show. Yeah. So protocol, first row and meeting them afterwards is essential, it's crucial. Yes. Yeah, and and from the outside, it has to look like one big informal uh, uh, party. So it ha it doesn't look like a protocol official occasion. Right. So that that's that's one of the other aspects of protocol. Um, uh, if protocol works really perfectly, no one is aware of the fact that there's actually a protocol uh, going on. Yeah, that's that's like wearing makeup. You, I mean, makeup should look like you're not wearing makeup, and you should be there, not being there. Exactly. In a way. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. The, the big success we've had in the last years, especially in the last five years, is applying protocol to various situations. So not only to formal situations, but at fashion shows, even at dance events, at networking dinners. Mm -hmm. So the method of protocol, which is, is used to translate the goals of a, of a meeting into an effective uh, a networking meeting or fashion show, whatever, that's proven to be extremely successful. And as I said before, the, 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 the kind of product that's, that's used to make an event more formal, mm -hmm. that's not a protocol that has been grown uh, a lot in the last uh, years. Okay. All right. Uh, that, makes, that makes good sense. If, if you, again, you work for, from a, a Dutch base, um, can I knock on your door if I would be an Italian or whatever, a German or an American company wanting to do business with the Dutch can I say, okay, let, tell me how I can get this deal or how to organize myself so I get to stand the best chance of success? Of course, yes. Yeah. We've been dealing with cultures a lot. So what, uh, two times a year, we actually organize an, uh, a protocol training in Brussels. And this, tra this training is being given in English. And uh, this training is not followed by Dutch, but it's followed for the majority by uh people from all, all across Europe mm -hmm. and even uh, the rest of the world. So we just finished this training uh, last Friday 
uh, and the training was actually followed by um, uh, people from all around the world. And even my team of experts are not only Dutch. I actually, um, it's a very small uh, scene, the protocol scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually work with uh, protocol trainers from the United Kingdom, Portugal, France, Belgium, uh, and 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 the United States of America. So um, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. That I, I, actually, you mentioned it right now. And by the way, for those people who are listening to this in the future, we're recording this on June uh, June twenty seven, two thousand seventeen, and we met earlier in June uh, two thousand seventeen. You mentioned, and then I that I triggered triggered an interest. Um, And I know I was just realizing why didn't I go there because I wasn't there. I was I was out out of the country, so that's the reason I I did not attend because the subject in and by itself is very interesting. Um, do, when do you have any other workshops planned? The next one will be in December. December two thousand seventeen. Yes. And then you got something else up your sleeve with that? No, it's it's two times per year in in Brussels. Uh, Two times per year in in The Hague. Um, the one in The Hague is in Dutch. The one in Brussels is in English. And we always do this in June and December. J- June, December will be in Brussels. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and people can find information on your site. Uh, on the website, all the information is there. Okay, we'll get we'll get to that. How people can get in touch with you in a moment as well. Uh, and uh, because you just pre- um, suggested a nice segue, you're based in The Hague, but you do this workshop in Brussels. Isn't mm-hmm. there more of a market for you in in Brussels with all this EU dignitaries and and bureaucracy and stuff going on there? Is, isn't that a bigger market? Much, it's much bigger than The Hague. Yes, uh, in The Hague there are around 120 embassies and. And many international institutions, but in Brussels, there are so many more. So, mm-hmm. yes, Brussels is the place to be. So that's why we moved our, originally all our trainings were in, in The Hague, either or uh, Amsterdam. Uh-huh. But, but because of the, uh, uh, the the fact that the market is so large, we moved it to Brussels. And it's proven to be a very big success because we're there for a couple of years now. Um, so, yes, you're absolutely right. Okay. Just uh, just curious. All right. Um, so, uh What are my other questions? Um, I have another one, which uh, that's yeah. Is there is there a country that is which country is the most protocol minded? Which country is the easiest to work with or love kind of love protocol? Are those the Germans because everything is square there, or is that not true? Well, in 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 general, um, uh, the the more you get to the south, the more they are into protocols. And okay. this is Europe I'm talking about. Yes. But The Asian countries, for example, uh, which is very determined by their culture, they are so very good uh, in protocol, but also in hospitality. Uh, but even in in um, uh, in the south of Europe, if you look at Spain, there's so many universities in Spain who are specialized in protocol. So this is a very common subject in the south of Europe, and it's very uncommon in the north uh, of Europe. Okay. The um, so we're the first protocol schools in the Netherlands. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, okay. the only one, and, and 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 well, we're probably going to stay the only one because the market is not very, uh, not, not as big as it is in, in uh, for example, in Spain. Mm-hmm. I think every major city in Spain has its own university uh, uh, or perhaps only a, a faculty, but uh, there are many places in Spain where, where you can actually study protocol. There are no universities in the Netherlands where you can study protocol. Interesting. That is. Uh, that was what I was thinking. You know, the, in the Dutch universities, you can choose any direction you want. You can put it together yourself. You're saying they actually overlook this item. This, I mean, goes to show to some extent that we just are not very official and not very rule bound. 
um, or, or yeah, protocol bound, I guess. Is that true? Well, yeah. Absolutely true, but it's not a bad thing. I think the uh, the uh, informal way our cultures are, we're not the only one. It's it's, it's us with Scandinavia and Germany. Um, uh, it's not a bad thing. It has advantages as well. And um, the big advantage of our culture is that we have been forced to uh, think about the purpose of protocol. So why is protocol an important subject in the 21st century? Mm-hmm. This has now uh, made us uh, very uh, innovative, for example. So we, we really had to explain to the Dutch why it's so important to know about the rules of protocol. Um, that's why we, we often do not use the word, word protocol when we talk about networking or strategic okay. relationship uh, management, for that's example. smart, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, 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 that, that if you want to organize an effective networking meeting, mm-hmm. then the method of protocol is very useful. Protocol and ensures that people actually meet. So you can actually increase the number of meaningful encounters by using the method of protocol. But in this part of the world, you, we never approach it from uh, from the protocol angle. We start talking about the need for people to know the right people, uh, to have a meaningful network, to have a professional relationship management. And then halfway the road, we introduce the method of protocol. Yeah. Then it's not a problem at all. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's very smart because the Dutch are so they have this anti-authority gene built in almost if you say you have to do it like this then they will do the counter I think the opposite yeah but I think there's another thing you know that the, the the bad name there's also there's a lot of people not only in the Netherlands and not only in the north, north of Europe a lot of people do, do not have a warm feeling when they talk about protocol in general in the entire world and this is due to the fact that the uh, that a lot of protocol experts have used the rules of protocol without thinking about the why mm-hmm. and I think the best protocol is a translation of, of the why into a set of protocol rules yeah. that's why protocol should be this more or less uh, in the basis it's the same but in the application it's totally different every time protocol is not a goal at, at itself it's only a means right yes and, and that's what we talk about protocol extremists or protocol fetishists uh, yeah. Our king even in, a, in an interview once uh, uh, talked about protocol fetishes. I think a protocol fetishist is someone who never asks himself why uh, are we here and just applies the rules of protocol. Yes. And that's been giving us a very bad name. And that's a very bad protocol. The protocol of the first century is uh, a mean to a certain goal. So as a protocol officer, you need to know the rules of protocol, but you also need to be able to make translations. And this is why our profession is, is has become a, a more difficult in the last five years because the translation part has become so much more important. Yeah. We have to be much more flexible. And in the old days, of course, it's very easy to apply the same rules every time. Yeah, yeah, that makes clear very clearly put. That's that sort of seals the deal as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm I'm looking at the time as well. We're, we're I find this a very fascinating subject. Uh, Thirty six minutes in uh, in recording. And, um, tend, I tend to leave the interviews around 30 minutes, but I, like I said, I'm intrigued by the topic. So I'm going to towards the end. I have two questions for you. I prepped you for one of them already. Um, can you give us and the audience three more tips to become more culturally competent, please? Uh, yeah, but you asked me this question before we started. So I wrote down a couple of sentences. Oh, now, nice. my, ex- my experience, it's ex- uh, to my experience, it's experience. So uh, if you have dealt with cultures in the past or you lived abroad, that that's that's a very strong basis. Uh, cultural differences are very difficult to grasp if you never encountered them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think all cultural difference experts use the iceberg and only yeah. the 
is seen and the rest is below uh, uh, the surface. So uh, uh, experience is a very important one and experience creates awareness, which is very important as well. But in my profession, it's all about preparation. Okay. So would uh, that be your second one or is that still part of number one? <laughs> no, well, I was already at number three. Oh, so I'm sorry. Okay. So, that, so number two would be awareness then? Uh, yes. Number two is awareness. Number three is preparation. Okay. So how do you... How do you prepare then? I mean, the rules of protocol are are fixed, uh, more or less fixed. How but how would you prepare? Well, there's a term in protocol which is called, uh, which is uh, uh, reciprocity. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, in advance, we look what's common in the other country or what has been done in a previous visit, and we actually copy. Um, or to put it in another way, we try to manage expectations. Yeah. So all these little details are discussed in advance, not between president and president or between CEO and CEO, but on a much lower level. So on my level, for example, event management or protocol officer, we actually ask, uh, well, we, we are thinking of giving this pres- uh, present to the president. Right. What is the present you are actually going to give us? And do you think he will like this present? Yeah. We're going to seating and make a seating arrangement like this. Do you think that's going to be a good thing in on your side? Is everyone considered in this seating arrangement? Right, right. So that's how we actually go from detail to detail and prepare every aspect. Yeah, that makes but, good sense. All right, we have ex- experience, uh, creating awareness, and then prepare. Uh, and you can prepare by actually looking back in time at what happened in the past and see if that makes any sense. Those are the three tips that I got. They'll be in the show notes as well. And finally, um, Jean-Paul, how can people get in touch with you should they want to know more about what you do, any of these upcoming trainings that you have, workshops on, on protocol? What's the best way to get in touch? On our website, you can find information on who we are. There's even a segment uh, explaining what protocol is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even an article from myself about my vision on modern protocol and all our trainings on there as well. Okay. But there's one other thing I would like to discuss, which we didn't cover yet, and that's… Yeah, go ahead. You're looking at me. No. President Trump. Yes. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. He's the one I haven't crossed out yet. Uh, before we do, uh, before we do the, the, the president of America, what is your website? It's protocolbureau.com. And how do I spell protocol is in P-R-O-T-C-O-L and then bureau? B-U-R-E-A-U. B-U-R-E-A-U dot com. Yes. Okay. All right. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, and I'll mention once again in the, uh, in the outro as well. So, all right. For the bonus, let's talk about Donald Trump. I would like to formally thank President Trump for uh, <laughs> his new way of approaching the protocol at the moment. I have never had a time where I had to give so many interviews. So um, the subject protocol has had a lot of publicity in the last six months. He's only been there for six months. Uh-huh. That's, that's, uh, that's a really good thing. So thank you very much, Mr. President, for that. I am, of course, amazed by the way he, approach, he approaches certain things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I do not always agree with him. Although um, uh, I must say certain things are um, are changed by him and will never go back to the, the old way. So example? he is doing the protocol as well. So, so what, what's an example of something that Donald Trump changed? 
I think a very good example was his meeting with the Chinese president. Uh, he had insulted the president a couple of times and then he invited the president not in Washington, D.C., but at his uh, golf resort in Florida, which gave him the opportunity to uh, uh, not be forced to do all the normal rituals as um, a state banquet and a visit to the parliament. But he was able to spend the entire two days with the president at the golf resort. Yeah. So um, uh, from a um, uh, perspective of want to, want, wanting to bond with the president of China, this was a very um, uh, uh, sensible, uh, very good choice, I think. Yeah. Okay. Even though they, they, he get, I mean, Donald Trump gets gets criticized about everything, uh, but actually, you're giving him a compliment here by doing this and taking this out of the official realm and, and putting it more in the unofficial realm. And then- well, let's. Let's be, let's be very clear. I'm not a fan of uh, of Donald Trump, but we have to um, uh, approach this from an objective way. So he he doesn't only make mistakes. So there are some things re- that are really f- uh, really adapting to uh, to our current uh, society and our current time. So okay. yes, fair enough. And and then the one last thing I'd like to get your opinion on, since we're talking about Donald Trump here, is um, the incident whereby he pushed away what what country was it? Uh, the Yugoslavia, Serbia. No, no, it was the Prime Minister of Montenegro. Montenegro, okay, close in that area, to some, geographically at least. He pushed away the President of Montenegro in order to get in front himself. Is that, what do you think of that? Is that another one that you think, oh, wow, that's amazing? Well, the way he pushed uh, away the uh, prime minister is not a is it is it, it's, it's not the way to do it. It's not the way to approach it. It's very very unfriendly. So, um, uh, from an etiquette point of view, um, uh, he didn't do well. Mm-hmm. But uh, the 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 representative for Montenegro is a prime minister, and uh, Trump is a president, which is a head of state. So he's officially ranked higher, and on an official photo. Uh, there's always a certain order, and this means that the head, heads of states are always lined uh, lined up in the front, and the prime minister is in the back. So he, it was his right to, to walk all the way to the front. Right. Okay. But the way he did it, it's. Um, I just. I. I was. Uh, I told you I was in Mexico last week and uh, was watching some CNN International, and uh, they were actually showing uh, the the journalists, the, the the press critiquing Donald Trump on how he did this, and then there was a panel of Republican voters voting for Donald Trump, who actually just you know, all thumbs up for how he did this and what he did. So it's it's it just depends on what side you are you're on, I think. So he was in his right, but the way he did it was a bit rough. Well, let's be honest. We didn't talk about that moment. No one. So the only press coverage of that moment was about the push of Donald Trump. Exactly. So from that perspective, it was a very bad thing. Yeah. He didn't he didn't achieve his goal. So he got bad press again from yeah. the majority of the press worldwide. Um, uh, so, so I would, I would not recommend him to do it the same way next time. So it's, it's not a good thing, but officially he was the head of state and the other one was the prime minister. So it was his right to move to the, to the front of the, of the picture. Okay. All right. I'm forced to inform you uh, uh, about the official protocol at that moment. So that's why. All right. Excellent. Okay. We just got that out of the way as well. Um, let's, um, draw to a close here. Um, so I'm, I'm. I'm gonna. I've, I always start out with an empty sheet of paper, and mine is just scribbled full with notes and stuff, as you can see here, uh, with questions that come up as we talk. So I want to thank you um, uh, a lot from um, uh, for at least uh, having met you and having seen your presentation as well, but also of course being on the show here with Culture Matters and talking about protocol etiquette and um, what the difference is and how to use it and how to benefit from it and how you can be in a of assistance to that. 
So thank you very much for coming here, being here, and I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Thank you so much, Jean-Paul Weyers, for doing this interview and giving us some insight in what the world of protocol actually uh, means. Um, if you're interested in actually getting in touch with him, he did mention the website. I'm going to do this again uh, for you uh, because it's written in a uh, Dutch way. So I'm going to spell this out to you. You can get in touch by uh, or, t- or with uh, Jean-Paul by going to protocolbureau.com. And protocol is P-R-O-T-O-C-O-L and then bureau, B-U-R-E-A-U. Spelled the French way, dot com. All in one word. Protocol Bureau. All right, this is the end of episode number 85. What else do I need to tell you? If you want to see the video of this podcast, you can go to culturematters.com slash YouTube because there's a whole list of videos that you can watch and not only listen to. You can leave a review in iTunes and we're getting, we are, are getting some reviews and that's, uh, that's good news because the visibility of this podcast is uh, very much greatly supported by that. If you know somebody who might make a good guest for this, um, uh, for this podcast, be sure to uh, drop me a line so I can get in touch with this person. Okay, episode 85 was produced by Janice Sheila and the music was done by Ben Sound. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in two weeks' time with another podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.